0: Ah, great. Well, welcome, uh, Dr. Claudia Welch, uh, who is a prolific author of several books and an expert in Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. And I'm thrilled to have you on the summit today. So thank you so much. And you are going to talk about
1: the three sheaths of pain. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, thank you for offering this service. I don't know much in this world that's more debilitating to the spirit than chronic pain. Yes. Of any kind of mental, you know, one of the things you and I had talked about um, just very briefly when you invited me, and thank you for inviting me, I appreciate it, um, was whether this was going to be about physical pain, emotional pain, or spiritual pain, and and you said any of it, and I appreciate that very much because I think that we tend to, and and even in this conversation in this half hour or so that we have today, we tend to think about them as separate, spiritual pain, mental pain, physical pain, but they're truly, truly not separate from from, uh, when we really look deeply into any tradition, Eastern or Western, and I was. I, it occurred to me this morning, um, just before we we um, s- started to talk this morning, that uh, it would be really useful to to talk about a little bit about um, some of the new understanding that's that's coming up in in Western science about pain in order to show how very much related it is to the Eastern perception of pain with the three sheaths, um, the three koshas, we we call them. There's other koshas, but for today's purposes, these three sheaths that that I want to talk about. But I'd like to ground it a little bit in some pretty interesting new-ish work that's coming out, Um, and... One of the so one of the thing one one of my favorite books I ever read was The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Doidge. I don't know if you're familiar. No, it's Nothing. an incredible book. It came out. I don't know. Doidge is D O I D G E, and that came out some some years ago. And it just took me forever to read because I underlined and starred everything <laughs> and took notes on everything. And um, he recently came out with a new book that I haven't finished, but it's wonderful. I'm not getting any kind of credit <laughs> for it. But I, um, it's called The Brain's Way of Healing Remarkable oh. Discoveries and Recoveries from the Frontiers of Neuroplasticity. And I want to talk about some of the ideas from, I, th- I think it's chapter two. It's one of the first chapters in that book is on pain and it's so worth it. Anybody listening to this, I would highly recommend both of his books, The Brain That Changes Itself and, and this new one, and especially this, this chapter on pain, which is it's the first or second chapter. I won't take time to go into it. But um, a couple of ideas that I want to um, talk about that he, that he discusses in this chapter to, to introduce the three sheaths because it's phenomenal stuff. And it, it's I think it's kind of game-changing in the way that we, we view and deal with the concept of pain and the reality of pain. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are so interrelated because right. our concept of pain determines how we feel pain how, mm-hmm. and how we react to pain and how we can change pain. Right. Um so i want so the thing that's very very fascinating to me about this is that we have the neural response sensory responses that stimulate our our neurons are not the only the only contributor to pain right mm-hmm. they're not the there's a there's a there's a doctor and i forget his name but it's in it's in that chapter that i told you about There's a doctor who has specialized in pain. He himself got hurt quite badly in um, in his back and neck, uh, and for 13 years was in debilitating pain. And he started to understand from in in part from some of the things that are talked about in the brain that changes itself that pain isn't in the body; it's in the brain. And um, so he started to work with that idea. And what he did was he took a, a brain scan a a, a map of a, a a brain that's in pain so when we have chronic pain what happens is that the real estate in our brain starts getting more and more used up by pain signals so you can see that the in a scan of the brain that that the that the pain area gets bigger and bigger and bigger it usurps more and more of that mental that brain real Mm. estate. Got it? And so when you see a when you see a scan, a a medical image image of a brain that's in pain, it's going to look different than a brain that's not in pain. Mm -hmm. All right. And so what he did was he decided every time he had pain, he was going to focus visually and he had chronic pain. So this was serious work because it was pretty 24 seven work whenever he could, he would focus on the image of the brain that had no pain. And for the first number of weeks, nothing much happened. But by the third or fourth week, it started making a tremendous difference, and he got out of pain. And he started, that's kind of mind-blowing in itself. Mm -hmm. But then you could think, well, it's one person. But he started working with all his patients with this. And it takes a tremendous amount of, of um we're talking here about debilitating pain, physical pain that keeps you from even going to work. Mm-hmm. And he, was, he was working with these, these patients. And um, so they had the time to focus on something and it really takes a tremendous amount of relentless, intense focus mm-hmm. to do this. But what you're doing is you're not focusing on removing the pain. You're focusing on restoring normal function to your brain that's your purpose and so it shifts your 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 focus from pain to normal function
0: right and so it's it's not focusing on the negative piece it's focusing on the positive piece that's right no pain
1: that's right that's right and so what is really fascinating is he would show these so that his patients started doing the same thing focusing on uh, you know they would see the 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 brain the pain brain Mm -hmm. picture and they'd see the no pain brain picture and they would focus on the no pain brain picture. What's what is now let's think about this from, and it started it worked and it took three to four weeks and, and for it to really start to work. And then within about six weeks, the pain could be pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. These are serious, serious conditions. So that in itself is amazing. But what is, what strikes me is deeply powerful in this is that they weren't even looking at pictures of their own brain mm-hmm. and they're not looking at their brain what they're looking at is something that they're adopting into their their understanding of who i am mm-hmm. so our picture of who we are of who i am is so crucial to this process And if we adopt it and we really focus on that, we change the brain, the physical aspect of the brain. So by focusing our attention, we change the physical aspects of the brain. And that changes what the sensations uh, um, trickle down as in the the physical body. Isn't that phenomenal? It's phenomenal
0: for many reasons. Um, One is it shows us the power we have to heal ourselves and, and how we can do that one way that we can um, start to heal. And one of the things I've noticed about chronic pain is that it it comes to define who you are. Um, Right. And it just, you become 100% your pain. This is who I am. This is what my life is. And as you start to heal this way what you're saying is we're not focusing on the part of me that isn't in pain right. we're we're changing our perception of ourselves as well
1: exactly and 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 this perception of ourselves let's look at what that is it's like this master map mm-hmm. and what feeds this master map is not only sensory input From from the neurons to the brain, you know we think, oh, you know, I hurt, I hurt my hand. It sends a message to the brain and back, and yes, Mm -hmm. that happens. But that's not the whole. That's not the whole image of who I am. That we want to look at. The other contributors to that are can be um, obvious and they can be subtle. So, for example, looking in the mirror, seeing the physical aspect of me, I start to adopt that as who I am. Right? Mm-hmm. A photograph of me, even a photograph of someone I identify with, in a sense, can start to become part of me. I have this image of who I am. Medical imagery, in this case, um, became who these patients saw themselves as. They adopted yeah. that into their master brain map. Who I am. Who is Claudia? Claudia has a spirit, and she has all this flesh on her, and she looks this certain way, and she has this certain persona, and I see it in the mirror, and I see it in how people respond to me, and I and I can even identify with a um, with a a medical image of a a brain that's not even mine. So this is where you know sometimes people work with art therapy, and you draw pictures of who you are and what Mm -hmm. your problems, and you and you. And you then work with that image in terms of your self image. So we start to see that this image is so important and that image greatly influences pain. So for example, there was a study where, um, they had people, they, they caused some kind of minimal pain to a person's hand and uh, to people's hands. And in all, in, um, and some of, these, some, of the, some of the participants in the study, they would put a magnifying glass. Uh, and so the, uh, you have those, those patients use a magnifying glass to look at their hands. So their hand looked, it appeared much bigger. And mm-hmm. to some of them, they used the, whatever is the opposite of a magnifying glass, a, a reducing glass, <laughs> so,
0: that,
1: so that their hands would appear smaller than they actually are. And then some they would have just be regular, you know, no, no interference, no mm-hmm. sense of interference, um, perceptive interference like that. And what they found was that the people who saw their hands as bigger experienced more pain. Wow. And the people who saw their hands as smaller experienced less pain. Oh. And oh. isn't this kind of mind I was just going to say that's mind-blowing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not only that. But the people who saw their hand as bigger and experienced more pain, their hand actually responded with more inflammation. Wow. Right? So how we see ourselves is a huge factor in pain, just a mm-hmm. huge factor. But changing that isn't, isn't for sissies, Right. <laughs> what what it what this um, what uh, norman Doidge's chapter makes really clear is it takes relentless intense focus, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons for that um, is that when we've got to look at how do we change our brain what allows what allows n- um, new neural pathways to be created, and when we look at that and I don't want to get too much into this, except that I think it's really a powerful tool to think about this because, okay, great, we understand now um, that how we perceive things affects our experience of pain. So we want to change some neural pathways so that we we experience things differently, right? How do we change those neural pathways? There's two things that I think are really powerful here. One is focus and one is love, and each, each has, a, has a particular role in this. And this goes to, let's take focus first. When we are children, from infants up to puberty, there's this part of the brain called the nucleus bacillus that's on 24-7. The nucleus bacillus allows us to create new neural pathways more easily that's on 24 7 so when we call a child a sponge for example that's absolutely the truth everything a child sees hears tastes feels smells is making an impression that is making creating a neural pathway it's super easy for those to be created because the nucleus bacillus is on all the time but this takes an enormous amount of energy for for the body to keep all of these neural pathways alive, nourished, and functioning. And so at puberty, what happens is this massive pruning where the the, um, organism says, all right, these ones are really important, these are the ones you use all the time, let's prune off all these other ones and we'll just keep these ones alive. And so that's what happens. It's like wet cement when you're a kid and you make this impression and in the adolescence, in adoles- in, at puberty, the cement hardens. Now you've got these pathways. Oh, wow. Powerful, right?
0: Oh, and, and it fits with what we know about adolescence, too, how personalities are formed and the whole hormonal issue, how, how much things change um, right. at, at adolescence.
1: So it, it all fits together. Right. And so now what you've got is you've got this hardened matrix Right, the cement with an ingrained pathway that's really hard to change. Right, so there's two. There's. It would be really nice if we could find this sort of magic softening serum to to soften the cement, and then we would want to etch a new pattern in if if this old one isn't serving us. So, gratefully, there there is a softening magic serum, and it's called oxytocin, which is sometimes called the cuddle hormone or the love hormone. And oxytocin makes our matrix, makes our brain more receptive to new patterning, right? And how do we increase oxytocin? People talk about sex, and that is one way, but it's not sex, because people who are raped, are, for example, are not their oxytocin levels are not increasing. That's a trauma, traumatic thing. It's not the act of sex. It's the act of connection. So you and me connecting. Um, Pets, being around pets will increase someone's oxytocin. Um, m- m- girlfriends being around each other will increase oxytocin. True connection that feels stable and kind. Those are things that increase oxytocin. So being in love, right? <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: And we all know, I mean, I think often people, we have the experience of falling in love. You know, you're in love and you forget about everything else. You, you know, you hear people say, I forgot about my pain right
1: and and what else happens when you 're in love? One thing that happens is you sense endless possibility yes, yes, That's for sure, it. and so that being in love creates this re- reception to change, possibility, so that that softens the cement that so when we have pain, which is very in, ingrained um, it 's a very ingrained pattern right it 's very set, especially for chronic pain love is mo- possibly one of the first things we can do to become more receptive to change and we don't have to love the world we don't have to if we don't believe in god we don't have to f- figure out how to believe in him to love him or her or it we don't have to love world pe- it doesn't have to be huge we could love jam a good jam we could love good quality dark raw chocolate we could love anything because love increases oxytocin so we just have to find something to love that gets us in the mood for change basically in the mood for possibility and then we need to turn on that nucleus bacillus again right we need to be able to create a new pattern and how do we do that after puberty it's off but there are a couple of ways that it'll turn times and ways that it'll turn back on one is pharmaceutical which let's not do that because that has side effects that we're not looking for um, another is an act of God—a hurricane, a lightning bolt, a, you know—something like that will jar us to be awake because we gotta pay attention. And that is the third way we can do it: is ourselves focus. Strong focus will turn on the nucleus basalis. Nucleus so, we—if we have love—that makes us more receptive to change, and we have strong focus. And it has to be, the, the, the more ingrained the, the painful pattern, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or physical, or which is basically all three, the more ingrained the pattern, the more focus it will take for a longer period of time to change the neural pathways, to change the pathways in the matrix of our being, of our master map of ourselves. That master, you could call it a brain map, but master map of identification. Make sense?
0: It, it makes total sense, and it, it pulls together so many things that we, we know um, right. that it makes total sense. Right. We know visualization um, helps and can work almost miracles. So this really sets the
1: stage for change. Right. So um, I want to talk a, li- a little bit, before I talk about the three sheaths, I want to just talk a little bit about this process of identification because um, because it 's such a powerful piece in um, in adopting in adopting the good into our master image of ourselves that 's fed by all these various things, including medical imagery, photographs, sensory input etc right if we call that whole in 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 India, what we do call that whole master map, that whole master image of ourselves, what we call that really is ahankar, which means identification. It's our, it means the I former, literally, like who am I? And all of that fits into ahankar, which is my, my picture and my identification of who and what I am. And that has an, has an effect on how things work in my body, in my mind. So this is a really, this process of identification is such a, a, a powerful and insidious and extremely subtle and quick process, what we identify with. And I want to, I want to tell a story to, um, to, to bring that home a little bit. There's a study and I wish I could tell you where it is. I think it's a TED talk somewhere, but there's a, there's a game and you have to use your, your imagination for this, but you, this was the person, there was a table in front of a person with a tablecloth on top of it. The person had their arm resting in a certain position on top, uh, on, on top of the table, right? So they could see, oh, my arm is resting on top of the table. Then they then they put their arm under the table and under the tablecloth so they could no longer see their arm but they kept it in the same position got that so far now they bring out got it okay now they bring out a prosthetic arm a rubber arm i've never seen it before but they lay it in the same position as my arm is is under the table i focus on that prosthetic arm for a couple of minutes Then they bring a feather, they run it down that prosthetic arm, and I feel the feather running down the arm. So within a couple of minutes, my ahankar, my identification process, has completely adopted something I had zero emotional connection with before. This is a plastic arm that I've never seen before in my life. It's an inanimate thing, it is now part of my master image of myself, my ahankar. And and now I feel pain when it is pained. Wow. I feel ticklish when it's tickled. I am affected by something that's happening to this external thing that I have adopted into my ahankar. Mm-hmm.
0: Th- that's just amazing. And, and is, right? yeah yeah. Yeah. It, it it's so powerful. That it, yeah. it, it's when you realize what you can do, it's right. It,
1: right.
0: it's almost a little scary. It's like, wow. <laughs> we need to have some,
1: we need to have good support, I think. Yeah, oh, uh, guidance for sure. Because, you know, when we're in love and we sense that possibility, we also have the groundedness of being with that person we're in love with. Mm-hmm. So it's useful to have someone, uh, you know, unless we can be... Really grounded in our own selves and find that groundedness in the sense within the sense of possibility. It is very helpful to have support, I, um, even support of other people who have pain who are working in positive ways to shift that. Very very helpful. Mm-hmm. Not essential, but very helpful. You know, you can fall in love yes. with a good jam, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that will help. Yeah, but it is. But the company is really helpful. So. Uh, now now let's just put this into, let's bring this into the, the three sheaths. So this, this word sheath is um, a translation of the word kosha, the Sanskrit word kosha, which means sheath. And they talk about five koshas, and actually even more sometimes, but the three pertaining to this conversation is the physical kosha, the, the, the flesh and the bones and what makes up the body, the the which we call which is made of five elements this tissues and so forth so that's the physical body that's the annamaya kosha we call it and then there's the pranamaya kosha this life force body which is the body would be nothing without a life force involved in present in every cell so that's that body and that even extends beyond the boundary of the skin you know if we If we um, were to close our eyes and to, to feel ourselves who we are and how far our energy extends, we may not actually feel that we end at the boundary of the skin. It may feel like we are kind of blobular, right? That we kind of extend a little bit. Our energy field extends a little bit. And so this concept takes that into consideration and says, well, this whole thing, including that, permeates the body and perhaps extends out a bit more is called the prana maya kosha the energy body and then the third is the is the manomaya kosha the the mental body which it will include emotions for, for for our purposes and so the the mental body is wherever we can bring our attention so it pervades the entire physical body and energetic body it and it can leave the boundary this boundary as well like because the moment that I can think of being in San Francisco in a sense that's where my mind can go so the the mind doesn't have a lot of limitations for this body doesn't have a lot of this mental body this monomaya kosha doesn't have a lot of limitations for where it can go and and what it can do and so if we look at pain in in these three sheaths we can look at injury to the body being predominantly a physical thing we can look at um how our energy moves as being like how our energy moves i know that sounds kind of woo woo but if you think about how your breath for example is moving if it's moving freely through your torso and your body or if you're upset and you go (gasps) and you kind of contract somewhere, that's the energetic body. And so that contraction has a great effect on the mental body and on the physical. But all these bodies affect each other. One affects the other. So the body can affect the energy and that affects the mind. The mind thought creates biology, right? The mind uh, gets afraid, goes ah! and, the, and, the, and the energy clenches and responds and the tissues coalesce around the the physical tissues coalesce around what the energy is doing right makes sense
0: absolute sense and and they're all interconnected um and and we now even have evidence of that
1: sure Right And a lot of the evidence is is like what we, we have been talking about exactly um, you know where we ha- so what we, where we have this master image in a sense, you could say it's in the Manomaya Kosha, this mental body, this master image so how that image trickles down into um, into our energy and into our physical bodies is of uh is of utmost importance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I, I see that we're we're out of time. Oh so. no we,
0: we have a few minutes. Please, I could talk
1: to you yeah we have a few I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I'm enthralled. All right all right so I I find that this that that these the, the concept of ahankar, the eye former, the identification process, that affects the monomaya kosha, the mental body so profoundly. It's so connected there that affects the, the prana, right? The, the, the energy, that affects the physical body. Now, one of the things that, I, that, that we look at in Chinese medicine a lot is the concept of pain being associated with the concept of stagnation, with the experience of stagnation. Mm-hmm. So what, what that's about um, is any time that the prana is not flowing smoothly blood will start to not flow smoothly. It will start to create ischemia for the tissues, a lack of blood flow through the tissues, the tissues right. less healthy. And um, and if it's just mild pain, we call that chi stagnation, just that stagnation of energy. But if it's more pronounced, more severe, then that's blood stagnation. And what happens with that you can have physical a physical motivation for that, like you're you're cut with a with a knife or something like that, and then that's that tense that breaks the, your blood vessels and then blood pools and you get bruising and so forth and so that's a physical cause for a stagnation, but you can have fear or sadness, a mental cause right emotional cause that causes the energy to to constrict somewhere that could be um, in the guts, you could have pain in the guts, you, you could have, that could constrict in the reproductive organs, and there could be a higher um, tendency for endometriosis, or fibroids, or, or um, painful um, periods, things like that. So one of the things that, that we, it's very difficult sometimes to affect quickly the physical body, or affect quickly the mental body, this middle body, this chi body, this prana body, this energy, is easier to affect quickly with attention so one of the things that um, i 've worked with patients and students a lot is with a with a um, a visualization that um, I have on my website that i 'm offering to 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 listeners of this summit for for free. Um, and you'll provide the details. And, yes. Okay. Um, and that—that's called dissolving obstructions. And so what we do is it's a visualization, and it goes into, um, into. It allows us to look to to close our eyes, to open our internal sensory apparatus, to kind of scan our physical body and our prana body, this energy body, and the mental body for and look for places that are tight that are um stuck and breathe into those and allow those to release and that can be very very helpful for um releasing that stagnation and resolving that stagnation so it's one tool i, I particularly like
0: oh that's i guess like I, I could I'm enthralled could just listen to you for hours this has been great and it's so a great place um for our listeners to start then would be to go to your website and yeah. download this meditation and we'll make sure that the link to that and any other information uh, that they need is is on our website for the summit. So I'm just I'm so grateful. Thank you so very much for taking the time and sharing everything you know. This is this was just really I I think we'll give people a lot of hope and a and a direction to go and understand and what they can do.
1: To I start to it, heal the pain. I truly think that there is always hope for the resolution of pain. I always believe that. Thank you so much okay. uh, for having uh, me. It's such an honor.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ciao.